welcome to uh, our podcast, Real Bad Takes. Uh, I'm Peter, as with me always is uh, Andrew and Dave. Say hi. hi. I'm Andrew. Hi. It's, uh, so this is, uh, this is our podcast where we, uh, basically the origin of this podcast uh, was our friends told us we talk about movies way too much. And so instead of talking about movies to them, we figured we'd talk about it amongst ourselves and then record it so that they could kind of, you know, cut out all of the movie talk that we have. Just in general, it doesn't work. But it doesn't work. It should so far, but we're we're flying <laughs> it. Revo- results may vary, but this is basically the kind of the genesis of this podcast. Yep. And uh, what we kind of our vision or kind of goal is just to, you know, we're just three guys who like talking about movies. Uh, the takes are probably not going to be great. We have no uh, film experience. I don't know whatsoever. about that. I, my takes are pretty great. I don't know. Uh, so all the very, takes will be bad. Very subjective. Yeah, it, all the takes will be bad. Uh, we have no film experience whatsoever beyond just you know. Watching. We've both taken a film class. Uh, yeah, so we took uh, a college film class. That I was, took two. Yeah, you took two. Um, I took one. I really didn't do much for that one. Uh, it was my senior year, and we were doing a virtual, so I really didn't do much there. Anyway, so no, actually, and you I've, have watched Quentin Tarantino videos took, on YouTube. I so. have. I've also took a history of entertainment class, which is much broader than movies. Great. It, so, it includes movies. Great. So Andrew does not have any actual film experience. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're basically just going to kind of go through and talk about a lot of the movies that are coming out this year. The, obviously the Oscars are a big thing. We'll definitely be talking about that, but I think start kind of for our first episodes, you just kind of understand a little bit of us and how we view movies. Uh, we were just going to, you know, go through each of us, uh, and go through our top five movies of all time. Now each list will probably be very different about how we approach what that means. Top five, but we think that as we're going through this list, you might get to understand a little bit more about where we're coming from. And so that kind of is the baseline for, you know, how we view movies that are coming out in the next po- next few podcasts and kind of see about, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. this is the lens through which we view mm-hmm. movies and what we enjoy. So, uh, yeah, we should, we should probably get started. Uh, Andrew, do you want to lead us off with sure, your, your number yeah, five? Absolutely. Um, so, uh, my fifth one was um, No Country for Old Men uh, by the Coen Brothers, 2007. So... Thing about this movie is I really like first of all the style. Uh, it's a western, and the uh, the wide shots are really really interesting to me too. Uh, just the way they do the landscapes, that's very detail oriented stuff. According to the story, I really like um, the main antagonist and what he represents in like a evil without cause, and how um, Tommy Lee Jones wrestles with that the whole movie. And then also I liked uh, the uh, pitfalls of greed seen by the Josh Brolin character um, throughout the movie, and I just think it's a really interesting moral statement and also. Uh, just a very good ph- philosophical movie um, framed in a western, so I just really like it a lot. It's not the best movie of 2007, but well, it's okay. That that's means, the, that that's totally <laughs> fine. Um, my top five, uh, my fifth is Ratatouille, and all I have to explain is a quote. It's a kind of long quote, but I think it explains the movie very well. It's by Brad Bird. Um, the quote is by Anton Ego. Um, in many way, ways, the work of a critic is easy. We risk very little, yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and, de- and themselves to our judgment. We thrive on negative criticism, which is fun to write and to read. But the bitter truth we critics must face is that, in the grand sch- scheme of things, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designated it so. Mm-hmm. But there are times when a critic truly risks something, and that is in the new discovery and the defense of the mm-hmm. new. The world is often unkind to new talent, new creations. The new need needs friends. Last night, I experienced something new, an extraordinary meal from a singularly unexpected source. To say that 
both the meal and its maker have challenged my precon preconceptions that about fine cooking is a gross understatement. They have rocked me to my core in the past. I have, in the past, I have made no secret of my disdain for Chef Gusto's famous motto, anyone can cook. But I realize only now do I have truly understand what he meant. Not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can, can come, come from, from anywhere. anywhere. Mm. It is difficult to imagine more humble origins than those of the genius now cooking at the stoves, who is, in this critic's opinion, nothing less than the finest chef in France. I'll be returning to Gusto soon, hungry for more. And yeah, I think that sums up the movie really, really well. Um, there are a lot more things I can say about it. Um, but I, I think this quote even um, should represent on how we podcast. I was about too. to say that. I was about to say the that. The new needs friends, just like this podcast. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And not everyone's good at podcasting, but... Yes. A good podcast can, can come from anywhere. Exactly. Good podcast so. can come from anywhere. Words to live by. Yep. Uh, so my number five is, uh, is the the film, uh, the 2022 film, Top Gun Maverick. Mm. Now, I don't think I really need to say anything else about why this movie is great. I don't think either of you will disagree with me nope. at all about anything I say. I, but the one... I think the one thing that really stands out to me why I enjoy that movie specifically is the practical effects that they have with having, especially with the with the scenes in the planes. You know, Top Gun planes go fast, and so it's really cool to see the the practical effects of the actors and the talent actually being in the planes. Uh, just even learning about like some of the behind the scenes footage about them like just throwing up or really like being affected by the by the gravity and all the force that's going on. It just adds a lot to the movie. I think part of the reason that part of something I really don't appreciate about a lot of more recent kind of action sci-fi thrillers is that they rely too much on CGI, which is almost like a cop out. Like when some of the effects are so good uh, that it makes it a little bit harder to to actually focus on good story or actually good action. And I think Top Gun just kind of throws that all that out the window. It's like we're just going to actually have people in planes and have them act like they are in planes. And it just makes it a lot more believable. It makes the adrenaline more thrilling, more palpable. And it makes even the reaction, some of the line reading, a lot more, you, you feel it a lot more. The, 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 the fear that they have, the, the excitement that they feel when they, when they you know, shoot down a plane or all of those sorts of things. It, just, it's con it, is so, it's, it is so contagious to the audience. And so that's why I've seen it like six times in theaters. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, mean I, yeah, think I think we're all at five plus yeah i mean i've seen it seven times i don't, I don't I've know i've seen it six only once out of theaters yeah so yeah i've seen it we I think might have problems but that's it's okay that's, that's okay. why we're having a movie it's that's a great movie yep, yeah exactly all right uh so four. starting off number four i'm gonna say dune from 2021 so i like a lot of things about this movie first of all i'm a big fantasy nut so i really like world building and just the way a lot of that in this movie there's a lot it's a, it's pretty much exclusively world building uh for the first part because they split the book into two movies the next one coming up this year, uh, we will see how Timothy Chalamet does, but that's for later. Um, I think I really love um, the just how grand it is, how big it is. Uh, I really think that um, all the shots, it's a movie full of shots that were they to be in another movie, they would be the best shot in that movie, and it's full of those, and so I, I think that's really wonderful. Um, I also like the space politics, it's just really, really cool. So definitely a nerd's movie, but I will own that, and that is why it's my number four. It, even... Even though it has Timothy Chalamet in the movie, it is still your number four favorite movie. It's ironic. You'll find a lot of hypocrisy in my top five, and we'll get into that with number one. But I do think Oscar Isaac took the lead role in, in the movie. 
Um, and he killed it, obviously. Uh, yeah. And I think mm-hmm. I'm slightly nervous for Timmy Xiaomi to take on the lead in number two, but uh, it remains to be seen. I just can't handle this Timothy Chalamet uh, slander. This is not... He's you a haven't great, seen anything great yet. actor. <laughs> Whatever. I would just like to point out that both your number five and number four both had Javier Bardem. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So let's yep. see if that continues at all. Well. I don't think let's it will. See. Yeah. Um, so my number four is Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Uh, this is a Stanley Kubrick film, a satire, uh, one of his only comedies, I think, um, about the Cold War and the nuclear race. Um, this movie is just hilarious. Uh, I don't. I think I've watched this like three times now, and every time I see it, you it's just. Did? Yeah, I did. It's just so. So fun. It's only an hour 30. It's a very quick watch. Um, it felt like two hours. Shut up. All right. All but, right. you know, um, like, like the uh, his quotes are hilarious. You can't fight here. This is the war room. Um, you're going to have to answer to uh, Coca-Cola about this. It's, it's so many iconic quotes. And I think the funniest part is that it's all said dryly. Um, which And, like, it's normal everyday life that this type of stuff happens. Also, Peter Sellers plays three different characters in this. Uh, he plays the president, he plays uh, Mandrake, and he also uh, plays uh, Doctor Strangelove. And I think he just has a wonderful performance. Um, and so, yeah, I can watch this again now. Great. Uh, yeah, Dave's a movie snob, so get used to that. Uh, my number four is uh, Ocean's Eleven. Uh, not the... Uh, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra version. Well, I am fans of those guys, but that movie is pretty lame, actually. It is the uh, the more recent one with George Clooney, uh, Brad Pitt, and Matt Damon. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed so far, but my first two movies are very much... Uh, they're not necessarily the best movies I've ever seen, but they're just the movies that I really love to go back to over and over and over again. Ocean's Eleven definitely fits that bill. I have seen this movie probably 15 times. Uh, yeah. And it's surprising because for most heist movies, you maybe watch it twice. So you watch right. it the first time because right. you don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Then you watch it the second time and find out, oh, this is how they did it and how it makes sense throughout. Mm-hmm. I've watched this movie so many times, not necessarily because of the heist, just because it's so much fun to hang out with those guys mm-hmm. all of the time. Mm-hmm. You've got you know the relationship between Clooney and Pitt, so many iconic lines, or <laughs> when, when Pitt doesn't even have to say anything and Clooney knows how to respond. You've got the... Clooney Julia Roberts relationship, which iconic. is incre- which is so iconic, almost as good as Ticket to Paradise. Way better than Ticket to Paradise, wow. in my opinion. Okay. That that okay. relationship, the the lines like, "Does he make you laugh?" Well, he doesn't make me cry. Just killer lines from the beginning. There's just even like the small like Bernie Mac makes me laugh every time he's on screen. There's just each individual character is so great. You know, even a great star like Matt Damon is almost like crowded out in that movie because of how many other characters have so many great lines. Uh, each, it's like a diamond that I watch because it's like every time I like turn it and there's a new facet that I get to appreciate. So, love this movie. It's my number four. Cool. Uh, so, kicking things off into the top three here, I actually have Gladiator. So, going for a historical epic movie. Uh, I want to... My, my heart told me Braveheart, but my brain said Gladiator because I think... Um, Your sister's going to come kill you. Exactly. Like, no, my, fa- my family stops. has a weird, like a weird emotional connection to Braveheart for who knows why. You're not Scottish, uh, right? I, we're not. I mean, we're like European mutt, but you know. Anyway, uh, I picked Gladiator because I think it uh, does a bit better of a job of pulling at the heartstrings a little bit more. Um, I think Russell Crowe is a bit more convincing as a father than Mel Gibson is as a husband. 
um, even though, you know, in Braveheart, they're only married for a couple days, but I just think you get to know um, the characters better in Gladiator. You also, uh, you have Joaquin Phoenix playing the antagonist, which is a great, great casting. Um, and then uh, the, the fight scene at the end is very satisfying, and it's just a super good, uh, feel-good movie. Yeah. I don't know about feel good, but feel, feel awesome rather. Feel awesome, yeah. Like you can, yeah. yeah like you can run a marathon. After exactly, it. yeah, exactly. It's not like Wally, where it's like, oh, it's feel good. It's well, like Wally's kind of. It's like a like a great. It's like a great pre workout movie. That's, yeah. that's what you're thinking yeah. about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number three is Parasite. This movie makes me Never feel proud to be a Korean. <laughs> Bong Joon Ho did it in 2019. I love uh, his other films such as Okja and the Snowpiercer. Um, this movie is has a clear commentary on social class and yeah and on capitalism uh, I just love this movie the twists and turns I love the first half where it's basically a heist movie I'm just in it for the whole time and then at the end where the twist happens I mean I'm not gonna I mean I don't know if people most people watched it I'm you haven't watched so yeah, I won't spoil yeah, it actually okay, thank you. that's thank true you. but the ending the chaos just is okay. I've watched this movie six times in 2019. Wow. Yep. Wow. Okay. Every time I make a left turn in my car and there's like a like a mug or something, there's some liquid in it. I think oh. about that movie every time. Just always think about just how smooth the left turn is. Or like when the lights, or when you go up the stairs and you see lights above you. Yeah, that never happens to me. I think someone just you probably should get your basement checked out. Thanks. Uh, so my number three is uh, the the Departed, which also mm. in my in my my house and my family we call it the Departed. Uh, this is a movie that I first saw on an airplane. Are you from Boston? I'm not from Boston. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, I watched it on a plane because I was like, oh, this seems like a great cast. Uh, you know, I'll give it a shot. And I, I was going home and then when I left home, I had seen it two more times. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, watched it with my dad and then watched it with my dad and my brother and we just really loved it. There are, it's a, first of all, the, the acting is incredible. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio is just absolutely fantastic uh matt damon also does a really great job mm -hmm. with playing the villain which yeah. is not something he usually does but mm -hmm. he does it really well i think that's what makes this movie better because you don't ex he doesn't have a villainous face you, yeah you see the actors flex out of their normal exactly. kind of typecast yeah. things yeah i it's, really like it that's fantastic jack nicholson just yeah no but but the best part of the entire movie is mark Wahlberg. i think mark Wahlberg is yeah. like he's just killing it great. every line it's so funny. I can't say almost any of the lines he says because they're not appropriate for a podcast for children, um, which this is definitely uh, not. Um, but it's just it's just an incredible movie from start to finish. It's it's Scorsese when he wins Best Director for some reason, which makes it better, I guess. Yeah, I mean, um, I would. Yeah, I mean, I think that's more of like a you haven't won for these other movies, but yeah, it was a this was also it was a, a great movie though. This is a very great movie. Yeah. But it was he totally a, deserved it. It was still a compensation Oscar. Yes, for sure. Kind of like DiCaprio's, but sure. I, sure. I think DiCaprio could have easily won for this movie. Uh, yeah. I love it. It's a great, it's That's just, a, it's, it's, it's just a really fun movie. Just watch over and over and over again. There's so many quotable lines. Um, I yep. just, it's just a really great, you yep. know, like, you know, I'm the guy who does a job. You must be the other guy. I quote that maybe once a month at work. It's just really great. So, yeah. That's my number three. Okay. So, my number two is going to get kind of detailed here. So, uh, I couldn't I couldn't forego mentioning Nolan. Uh, so, I'm going to say Tenet is my number two spot. Uh, so, there's a few different reasons for that. I feel like Tenet is the most uh, Nolan-esque movie of his filmography. Uh, I feel like that for a bunch of different reasons. But, 
Um, so first, a couple things. I think John David Washington does an amazing job. I think the movie is also uh, shot really well. It's very fast-paced. I really like that part. Uh, it's a cold story, so it's not you're not meant you're not meant to get attached to the characters at all. Um, the main character's name is literally the protagonist. I think that's a very interesting thing. Nolan has usually done a lot more like emotional movies, um, but Tenet is a very much a, a departing from that. Um, but I also think so. Nolan is known for um, structuring the uh, narrative to fit the style or the kind of plot device of the movie. Uh, so for Tenet, what that looks like is um, Tenet is a story told uh, forward in time, but it's about uh, time travel and you know going back in time. And so it's it's meant to be uh, rewatched, and then you can pick up on all sorts of different things and all sorts of different nuances and uh, different things in the background of scenes will tell you things about. Um, characters. I mean, I'm, I'm trying not to give it away, but it's a couple years old. So I mean, uh, the Robert Pattinson character. There's kind of uh, essentially a couple different versions of that character, and you get to see him move back and forward through the movie. I think it's very fascinating. Um, I also just really like. Um, I think the score is really cool. I think uh, he did mix it at home, but it still sounds really amazing in my opinion. And I just think it's uh, a very well done, um, very very good action thriller. So yeah. So uh, this is a bad take. I I see why you would say that, um, and it and, and yet here it is it's at number two. A, it's a it's a bad take. Yeah, um, I mean I think I, I think the protagonist is a better name because uh, the Leo's uh, character in Inception, his name is Cobb. That's a pretty bad name. I think the protagonist. But I think the point is like he has a name, and like the 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 story about Tenet, you're not meant to like feel very many things for the sure. characters because it's about the story. And I just wanted to point out how stupid Leo's name was. I think, yeah, and then Mal. Her name is Mal, too. So, yeah. like, it's not a great couple. Cobb and Mal. <laughs> not good. Iconic. Yeah. Um, Inception's still a much better movie than Tenet, though. I haven't watched... Up I, haven't, I haven't actually seen Tenet, and I I personally don't like Inception. Um, that's oh that's a gosh. terrible take. Which is... I, that's, that that's could be my bad, bad take. That's I almost think... as bad as putting Dr. Strange's love at number three. Okay. It was, it's at number four. Oh, my bad. Sorry. All right? Um, I don't know. I I don't like it when Nolan tries to make logic seem logical when it's not. And it seems very pretentious and seems very... Uh, makes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am not a... I would like to think I'm not a stupid guy, but uh, his movies make me feel but like I'm, a, I'm an idiot. So, so. Tenet, Tenet didn't do that as much. So the, no, it did. It, not as much. So, like, the, the thing about Tenet is, like, each scene, like slammed into the back of the next scene because it was just moving so fast and like it um i don't think he's expecting people to pick up on every single you know narrative nuance in the first watch i think you're meant like i said to rewatch it and pick up on more uh distinct uh plot devices and, and little things like that and so i think that's why uh, i really love it yeah I, I mean i think i have a problem when you have to rewatch a movie because you didn't get it versus you rewatch a movie and you get gain more things out no, I mean, I think you can understand the rough, like, you can understand the rough outline of the movie, and, like, you see the ending, and you say, okay, that happened, now I want to figure out more about how, versus, like, rewatching a movie because it's funny and it makes you laugh three times since you've seen it. Alright, so my number two is There Will Be Blood by the great Paul Thomas Anderson, made in 2007. This is a better movie than No Country. This is the movie that should have won Best freaking picture that year um i love this movie uh i've seen it once every two to three months i love dana de lewis's performance i love paul D dano's uh performance in this movie this movie is about um 
religion versus oil, uh, the uh, 19th, 19th century versus the 20th century. It's about power. It's about faith. Um, and, I mean, it's a pretty bad uh, negative outlook on faith. And, uh, I mean, a negative outlook on capitalism itself also. Um, there's no real winners. Um, it captivates me every single time I watch it. Um, there, it's so quotable, the last scene uh, with, I, I, I drink your milkshake or drainage is, cracks me up every single time. The oil rich scene is iconic with the soundtrack and the, the, uh, the, the clickety sound, soundtrack just, that just makes my heart rate go, go up all the way to 170. Um, that's a precise measurement. Yeah. That's also it, probably not good. It, it probably does mean I'm, <laughs> I, I probably need to get that checked out. Anyways, I every time I watch it, I get new questions like, did he really love HW? Or does he love oil? Uh, or, yeah, or does he love oil more? Or did he, um, did he even uh, believe uh, his brother uh, was telling, his fake brother was telling the truth? Um, there are also a lot of behind the, uh, behind the scenes aspects, because this was um, adapted from a book, Oil. And in, the, in that book, um, uh, Daniel Plainview is um, uh, impotent. And when uh, Paul Dano uh, um, accuses him of being lustful, he looks at him with a weird eye. Um, so there's that too, which is just really cool. Um, and just the intricacies between um, those two actors going at it. Um, especially because Paul Dano's a very young actor um, in this. Um, yeah, this... This is a movie that I will forever be watching. So, here's my problem with this movie. This movie's incredibly uncomfortable. It's like a very, like, it's like pretty, like, not, it's like not a fun watch. Where it's not like, yeah. it's not like, hey, let's throw this on to have a nice, chill, like, Wednesday night. This is like, I'm going to sit in my room and turn the lights off and just feel really sad about every part of my life. Where it's like, it's just not, it's not, a, it's not a comfortable movie. I was gonna mention that it's pretty bleak. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, I. It's. It's not a very comfortable movie. No. But I think that just says a little bit about my movie takes. I mean, you'll understand. You'll start to understand how important rewatchability is to me. But like, if it's such a sad and bleak movie, I don't understand how you can rewatch it so many times. I. I, agree. I think with a lot of Paul Thomas Anderson films, sure, his movies get funnier the more you watch it. I. Really I hope think that's the case because Licorice Pizza was aggressively terrible. That's such. Why would you make that take here? Because <laughs> that is such a great movie. It's and not. It, it, and it, anyways, apart from more slander towards PTA. Uh, no, I don't think it's slander. I just think that that specifically, there will be blood is uncomfortable. Just for, like everything from just the way that he kicks out his son, the way that he kills his fake brother, to the way he then when you know HW then loses his hearing. So then at the very end where he's like telling him, I've never loved you. You never mattered to me. And then HW's obviously grieved. Just like, I'm glad I'm not your son. And then leaves. It's an incredibly pain. And the movie ends with him like yeah. alone sitting on his weird bowling alley in his house. And that's the way the movie Yelling, ends. Yelling, I'm finished. Which is hilarious. It's not hilarious. I don't it's think you should be laughing depressing. about this. No. I think it's funny. I think it just gets funnier because Daniel Plainview's character isn't realistic. It, his his nuances that he makes are very interesting. And I think is very funny. But I mean, he's meant to be that eclectic, rich, right? Like he's meant to play into that. I mean, he he wasn't rich from the start. Yeah. And I think this movie is it does it doesn't get old because there are 
every generation will have their Daniel playing you. I've been meaning to rewatch it, but I just like I like you said, I it's it's hard to it's make hard myself to want to. Yes, it's yeah. like man, I get to watch There'll Be Blood this weekend. Oh wait, I don't really want to. Like it's really sad, and that's like the overwhelming emotion I wa- I felt when I watched it the first time. I was just like, why is like so much sad stuff happening in the same movie? Like it's so it's just bleak. Yeah, I think I really I think what I enjoy the most about the movie is the rise of Daniel. And just seeing him, I think that's, to me, very interesting and something that I can just get more stuff out of every single time I watch it. All right, fair. Speaking of what you were saying, Andrew, about how, you know, it's hard with rewatchability, you want to get psyched up to to watch a movie. I think all my top five hit that criteria, so I'm going to transition into my number two, which is uh, The Godfather. Uh, I don't think anything else. This is another movie that does not need to be said. This is not even like a movie snob movie, where it's like, you could be... It's if you're a movie snob, you love this movie. If you know nothing about movies, you love this movie. Yep. Everybody loves this movie. It is probably the most quotable movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many aspects. It's got some of the most iconic acting performances in movie history. You got Marlon Brando. You got obviously Al Pacino. Yep. Even James Caan does a great job. Uh, you know Robert Duvall does an incredible job. It's just it is the lens through which I view so much of kind of the world today, which is makes it sound like a snobby movie but it's also just really enjoyable at the same time where it's just i as soon as i watched it i was very very much wanted to watch it again just so we could get as much of it into my brain as long as possible mm. because it's just all of the lines and the dialogue and the and the weird interactions and just all of the the ways that the ways in which uh don vito or vito corleone <coughs> views the world and how he views the world and how michael slowly begins to mm. to coalesce and become yeah. Vito, the man who which he hated. And just that relationship between father and son where they're doing terrible things. You know they've done terrible things and yet you find yourself rooting for the family somehow. Mm-hmm. It's just a very interesting critique. It's obviously beautifully shot. The scenes in Sicily are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a funny movie despite it all, despite all of the, the blood and the death and kind of the, the angst, you know, it's the mafia movie. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Oh my Hilarious. gosh. Nice. Yes, yeah, just so many, uh, you've got to act like, you got to act like a man. Like, you know, yeah. it's just the, you've got the the horse's head scene, just so many iconic, so iconic. scenes in movies. Uh, and how many references there's been in other like parts of pop culture? I would say like you know one of one of my favorite scenes in You've Got Mail is when Tom Hanks's character is quoting The Godfather yeah. about how it's the source of all wisdom, and it's like, I mean obviously there's a little bit of exaggeration to that, but there are so many times where I'm thinking about The Godfather yeah. just in day to day life, and I don't know how many other movies you can say that about, so that's why it's my number two. Very solid. But before we get into our Angel, before we get into yes. our number ones, I think it'd be helpful mm-hmm. if we go around and just share a couple of our honorable mentions, things that yep. movies that. We're close, mm-hmm. you know. We spent a lot of time making these lists. Just yeah, close, but could didn't quite make the cut. Yeah, uh, maybe you could you know talk a little bit about why you love it, but also why it didn't make your top five. Okay, so for my first honorable mention, I'm gonna have to say uh, the Prestige. So a couple reasons why I didn't put this in my top five was just because I didn't necessarily want you know my top five to be an entire uh, director's filmography, and so I just think the Prestige is really really good for a bunch of different reasons. I think the characters interact really well together. Very entertaining. The twists are really, really good. It's an awesome movie. It's a great movie. Um, one of my honorable mentions is Ponyo. It's uh, Mio- it's by Miyazaki, um, a Studio Ghibli film. It's about a, a little girl, a little goldfish that becomes a girl. Um, it's beautiful, and I watched it as a child. Sounds like Pinocchio, but with fish. Some would say. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Interesting. 
Uh, so my my first time I'll mention would probably be is uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Uh, it's a spy thriller and a superhero movie, so which are two of my favorite genres of movies. And I think it basically set the tone for what the next basically decade of Marvel movies is going to look like. Um, and I just really some of the most iconic Marvel scenes. And Until action. Endgame ended. Fair. Until end, Endgame ended. That's a different episode. Sure. Okay. My bad. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Marvel stuff right now, but just some of my favorite movies. Uh, I love Captain America. I love all of the action. Uh, it's really well designed, and some of the set pieces are really incredible. Huge fan of this movie. Like it a lot, too. Yeah. Um, my next honorable mention here is going to be uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, again, I just feel like um, Tarantino's really good at slow burns. This is a really very entertaining movie. Uh, it's just the characters are very engaging. Uh, the story's a lot of fun. It's very cool to see his kind of love letter to cinema. Um, and just his take on, you know, what he wished would have happened with the Sharon Tate story and how he incorporates, you know, spaghetti westerns and just the production of Hollywood into that is very, very cool. Yeah, it's a great hang of a movie. Yeah. So I was, just want to hang out. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun to be around. My brother actually hates this movie because he doesn't know anything about Sharon Tate. So the ending just means nothing to him, which is yeah. I so hilarious. I can imagine it would be confusing if he didn't know yeah, about that. Yeah, this is clearly for, like, an older, older audience. Yes. Not only because of subject matter, but because of, like... History. So actually, the first time I watched this movie, I I was the opposite. Where I knew it was, I thought it was about Sharon Tate, and so I spent the entire movie being like, "Okay, when did she get murdered?" <laughs> and then when the ending happened, I was like, "Wait, she doesn't get murdered? What the heck happened? What's what's the point of this movie?" Had you not, had you not seen other Tarantino's? I had not seen other Tarantino's. That's oh, yes. So that threw me off yeah. as well. But I was still really yeah. confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You seen like *Inglorious Bastards*? You know, yeah. he's really big in the revisionist history. Yeah, but specifically, yeah. I was just like, "Where is yeah. where?" Like she's just like hanging out watching movies. I was like, "What's yeah. the, what's what's the point of this movie?" Yeah, having her feet out. Yeah. Yeah, Anyways. it's Tarantino. Yeah. It happens. He loves his feet. Uh, my second is uh, The Godfather Part 2. Great um, transition there from Love's Feet to Godfather. Yeah. Go go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I love this movie. Um, it's a great film. I, uh, it's not in my top five um, because I haven't rewatched it as much uh, as I wanted to. Um, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a fun rewatch. It is a heavy rewatch. It's a know? heavy rewatch. I think... That doesn't stop you, though. Yeah, it doesn't stop me, but I think it's more of the time, just how long it is. Yeah, it's a long movie. Um, Al Pacino is just superb in that movie. Incredible! His, oh my gosh! I, I watched like uh, a video a video essay on like how he uses his eyes throughout the whole movie, and it blew me away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the whole last scene about uh, with him and his wife and talking about the abortion, very very depressing. Yeah, um, I don't want to clear everyone. Just my enemies. That's all. It's one of the best lines in movies. Just the way he says it, the line delivery. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. We um, talk about it all day. Yeah. Uh, the Godfather Part 1 is up there, but I think I do like Godfather Part I agree. Part Godfather 2 is a better movie, but I Godfather 1 is first for me because it's just a better rewatch. Yeah. Uh, my, my last honorable mention is uh, another movie that changed the game, but in a completely different genre. Uh, when Harry Met Sally. This basically created the modern rom-com genre about two individuals just kind of you know living their life and falling in love. Uh, it says a lot of really interesting things about relationships between men and women about how men and women think about relationships, how they understand, kind of how they interact with each other. I think the dialogue is incredible. The soundtrack is incredible. The, the Some of the shots in, in New York City are absolutely gorgeous. It makes New York City look like the best place to live, which some would say it is. Uh, and it basically just, you know, defined the genre for the next, you know, 20, 30 years before Netflix completely ruined it with making the same movie <laughs> and over and over again. Yeah. But just, this movie is incredible. It's a text that can be poured over. Just kind of all, each dialogue is really helpful to think through. You can see the characters grow over time. It's just, it 
it's it's a fantastic. It's just a really great movie to read. The soundtrack also is yeah, just, yeah. It's just so. I, I like watching Harry's take on like whether women and men can be platonically friends like change over the movie. It's really, it's, really yeah. Good. It's probably it's definitely one of the best parts. Yeah. yeah. And with that, uh, I, I think, think we're ready. Yeah, I think let's let's yeah. number one. All right, so I'm gonna get into it here. So uh, I'm gonna go with the Hateful Eight, uh, the director's cut. Not the original cut, the director's cut. So that's the only one I've ever seen. Okay. I've actually never seen the original cut. Okay. Um, so I think this movie does a lot really well. I think it um, is definitely a very non-traditional Tarantino. I think it's a much more um, kind of very minuscule movie in a, in a sense. Like Tarantino is known for his you know very big action at the end, which this definitely does have. But it's a very slow, very small take on that type of story. Um, it's also... It's a Western style, but there's also just a lot of very cool plot elements that he doesn't really use in his other movies. Um, I think, um, yeah, I don't know. The casting is really well done. I don't know what, uh, this is my second Tarantino movie that I saw, so I didn't really have an acquired taste to say that it goes against. So I don't know what the like critiques are heavily for Hateful Eight, if you guys can speak to that. Um, I mean, I, my, I think my problem with this movie is that it's too long. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it just seems very... Even at the 245? Like the original or the director? I mean, I haven't watched the two, 245. Okay. And I think I should watch that to actually make a call. But for, right. at least for the director's cut, because that is your number one. Right, exactly. Um, I think it's, it is too long. Um, a lot of the things, I guess, like wrap up at the end pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a play movie. Um, it's, a, it's a movie that should be a play. Um, not... I don't know if it should be a play, but in the style of a play... Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, it, it is. It, in my opinion, it, I I do like this movie. Um, it is in my bottom half of Tarantino films. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I th- I just think you know Tarantino is known for his dialogue, and this movie delivers on that front by a lot. Yeah. I also think, yeah, just the interactions with the characters because you have you don't have anything else to go to when it's all filmed in the same room. So you just have to go to the characters, their um, you know relations with each other, how they develop. And then, you know, at the end, there's a lot of different really cool stuff. I think a movie that's very similar to this that I like, that I think it's my top three uh, Tarantino films is Reservoir Dogs, where it's very limited sets. Though it, there are some some scenes where it's outside of the garage. Yeah. yeah. But I think that movie with, with um, characters going in and out. I was going to say, I think there's some key differences, but I do think it's really cool to see him use kind of a bare bones take on that type of thing. And then to see it very done up when he's further into his career in a very, like, you know, there's lots of like bells and whistles on this movie. Mm-hmm. It's very like the set is very intricate, uh, which is part of what plays into it. Actually, like all the pieces play a part. Really, really cool. I just it's so intricate, so well done. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So my number one um, is Everything Everywhere All at Once by the Daniels. This is a, Daniels' second film. Uh, their first film is Swiss Army Man, um, which I haven't watched. Um, but this movie is a lot different than that one, is what I've heard. Um, <laughs> uh, this <laughs> this movie is about the multiverse and about a Chinese American family. Um, yeah, this movie one just blew me away the first watch with the whole uh, multiverse sequences. Uh, Ev- uh, Evelyn getting her mind blown um, every three seconds. Um, this this movie. Uh, really hit me hard with um, the whole dynamic of the Asian American family. Um, starting from the first scene where um, Evelyn and um, Wayman uh, talk to each other in 
not uh, only English, but also use Chinese intermixed with, uh, intermixed. And um, I thought that was very accurate. I thought that was very uh, great representation mm. of Asian American families. Um, and yeah, and, and it just goes on with um, Evelyn's relationship with her, with her daughter, Joy, mm. um, and how much um, they both kind of resent each other um, in a way. Um, and, and at the end, um, I get like what, what this all uh, summates to is um, Evelyn uh, telling Joy like out of everywhere I can be, I, I want to be here with you. And this is after she's explored that in other universes she is wildly successful. Like the universe that she's actually in is the worst universe that yeah, this universe is where she made all the wrong choices and yet because of Joy, um, she, she wants to stay. And, and in the last part, the last act of the movie, she stays and she's happy. Um, this, this movie also, I think, makes a really good argument of, about being kind. Uh, Waymond, uh, Waymond, who is Evelyn's husband. Uh, Best character in the movie, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. kills me every time. I agree. He's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he is kindness itself. Evelyn mm. is very cynical. Yes. Evelyn hates... The world she thinks life could have been so much better and she's proven right yeah. in a way but Wayman shows her that that's not everything mm-hmm. um and yeah and when uh and in the universe where she's really successful and Wayman happens to be successful and that's very surprising to her mm-hmm. he ends up saying like i would still rather just fold clothes and do laundry and do which is the best which is the best part of the movie in my opinion the best part of the movie is the contrast because you have Evelyn's character who feels like everything has gone wrong and you have Wayman's character who in his eyes everything has gone right yeah. and it's just a really cool way to see yeah. that and when everything's gone right for her everything's not gone right for yes and so it, it's incredible to see that there's almost kind of a tension within their relationship where she feels he is holding her back and he tries to show her how happy she makes him and that is not enough for her and so it's part of the unifying kind of force of the movie is that eventually they both see kind of where the other one is coming from and it's just it's a very beautiful way to kind of wrap up uh that whole it's just such a it's all such a large mm-hmm. way to tell a very small story about you know a very a, a normal kind of family and just how they interact with each other using the multiverse yeah. and they commit to the multiverse like a really, really well. well. I was going to mention that you mentioned not liking some Nolans because he kind of treats these really complex plot devices like they're very plain and simple. But I think this movie kind of does a broad strokes like mm-hmm. they do a pass at it like hey this is how it works and it doesn't necessarily leave you with a lot of questions because the movie's moving so fast. Yeah. But it also is not that intricate. It just happens. Yeah, I think I would to that point though. I I do concede that some of the, the, the multiverse hopping yeah. has a lot of plot holes. Sure. Um, and I can, I, but I think because the movie is not about it's not about that, the multiverse. exactly. It's yes. not. Um, it, it's about nihilism. It's about absurdism. It's about how nothing matters because everything hap- everything's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this movie makes me cry and laugh in this almost in the same scene almost. Yep. It. It is yeah. quite an amazing movie, um, and I hope uh, we're gonna get it into this in uh, in podcasts in the future. Mm-hmm. But I do hope that the Daniels win everything. As if again, if Top Gun Maverick cannot win everything, this movie should win everything. Just because I felt like it was just a breath of fresh air. Yep. It was such an original concept from directors that were really coming out of nowhere, a cast that was not like littered with stars, uh, you know, A list people. It just seems like this is a perfect kind of 
vehicle for all of these things, all of these ideas, and it was just so done, done so perfectly. Yeah. Part of it really just wants the Academy to reward that, but we'll get into that in future yeah, podcasts. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my number one movie uh, is another movie that uh, really changed the game, kind of defined uh, superhero movies, and uh, it's, it's peak Nolan, in my opinion, it's The Dark Knight. Uh, this movie from the really from the jump is just a high stakes thrill ride mm -hmm. yet has time to reflect on the nature of evil mm -hmm. uh, the human condition uh, and what how, what you know what is true corruption mm -hmm. what is truly good it's mm -hmm. there's so many little details in this movie that Nolan really takes time to really kind of sit in and kind of examine I think sometimes where Nolan falls short in other movies that don't really work quite as well is when he's trying to kind of the plot device for the sake of the plot device rather than diving deeper into No, story. Nolan would never do that. Yeah. Definitely not intended. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's almost like with the Dark Knight he uses the story of Batman and the Joker to really reflect on the human condition, especially the fall mm -hmm. of Harvey Dent. It's really it's that's the best part. Aaron Eckhart mm -hmm. plays him perfectly. Mm -hmm. As the brash, really cocky, yep. you know, but always good. Uh, it kills me every time yep. when, when at the end scene where it's, you were supposed to be the best of us, yeah, and he is the one that falls. It's mm -hmm. incredible. It's incredible. Obviously, Heath Ledger is incredible in the movie, but I think yeah. Commissioner Gordon and I mean Christian Bale is fantastic, but Commissioner Gordon and Aaron Eckhart really are the supporting characters that really yeah. help kind of play off of because Batman is always going to be withdrawn he's always going to not have a lot of emotion that showed but Gordon and Eckhart kind of are the two they are the two other supporting characters that really help Batman really do the action's incredible it's just a it's a fantastic I've seen it like 20 times yeah. it is from the jump it's beautifully shot the action scenes I mean coolest opening scene ever coolest opening scene of all time Probably, I think one of the best movie villains of all time. He's. I think the Joker and um, Harvey Dent are good foils for each other in terms of how yes. different their evils are. Mm -hmm. And you look at the Joker burning the pile of money, being like, "It's not about the money." Yeah. And then you look at Harvey Dent being like, "The system has failed me. Like, I'm all about defending justice until he wasn't, mm -hmm. and then he just completely flips the coin." Yeah. And it's just really, really cool how they work so differently. <laughs> I see Thank what you. you. Did there. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, it's just really cool how they work so differently, and they they work to you know weave the same story. Yeah. yeah. I love this movie. Yep. Um, no notes. Super good. Um, no, he's got some notes. I uh, have some like, notes. Uh -oh. um, I think, well, again, I'm going to preface this by saying I is this absolutely, no, yes. no, I absolutely love this movie. The Batman by Michael Reeves is better. No, it's not. Um, I think it's, I mean, The Dark Knight, I think, is, is ultimately a Joker movie. Yes. It's not about sure. Batman. That's true. Sure. And so... And the Batman by Michael Reeves is a Batman movie. Batman has the deepest character arc in this movie. Sure. Um, and yeah, I just I for that reason I think it's better. Um, I think uh, I personally think Harvey Dent kind of falls a little flat. Um, that's that's a really hot personally. Take. That's I mean, a really yeah. hot take. Yeah. Um, I think it falls a little flat. I mean, he does at the end. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. That, that's yeah. very Thank funny. You. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he's yeah it's. It's good. I it's great. I love this movie. I, I just think it's hard. It's a three hour movie. Like it is a it is a long like the bat. You're the I have so many takes on the Batman, and I think one of them is the length. Yeah. I think another one is that it's just a building movie, and the Dark Knight already had its building movie, and that's what it built too. But like your the Dune is your top five, and that's a building movie, and it's still great. 
You could have brought that up a while look, ago. Look, just real listen. hypocrisy going on. Yes, yeah. listen. Like, yeah. But you agree, though. I think I think the Batman, for what it is, is a building movie, and it's showing what Batman could be. First of all, I love the Batman. I love Michael Reeves' Batman. I thought it was the best. I thought it was so good. I really liked it. I thought it was close to The Dark Knight, which is the highest praise I can give a Batman movie. I need to bring myself to rewatch it. I didn't love it for reasons as of yet. Well, I own it on Blu-ray, so anytime you want a weekend. Wait, okay. the Batman? I own the Batman on Blu-ray. And Dark Knight? No, I do not own oh, the Dark Knight on Blu-ray. I, I mean, mean, I guess you like one movie more to get on Blu-ray. Well, one was I had a gift card. So that's <laughs> anyway, that anyway. Uh, so Dark Knight is a great movie. I love it. Uh, Joker, amazing. Rest um, in peace, Heath Ledger. Yeah. Rest yeah. in peace. Um, yeah. Uh, Harvey Dent, before he becomes uh, Two-Face, I thought was great. Yeah. Um, Jim, uh, Commissioner Gordon, uh, great. Uh, yeah. Gary Oldman does this uh, amazing job like he always does. Yeah. Christian Bale, for what little part I think he has, does a great job. Yeah, yeah. no, I, and I agree that it's definitely not, it's definitely not his movie where he's supposed to yeah. shine, but yeah. it is, it is just a, I think about, there's so many quotable movies, moments that are just, you yeah. think about, on a, like, some men just want to watch the world burn, yeah. like, you were the best of us, not be, you know, you know, you either die the hero, or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, like, yeah. just so many lines that yeah. just resonate today, uh, it's, it's why it's my favorite movie. It's really good. And, and with that, those are our top five. Yeah. yeah, that's our top five. Yeah, so uh, hopefully come back. We'll have another. We'll have yeah, drop one of these. In. Yeah. We'll have a drop. Drop one of these every week. Yeah. Uh, um, next week we're gonna go over uh, what we're most looking forward to in twenty twenty three. Comes in there terms are some of movies. Good ones. Yeah, we're we're real excited. You will get to hear Andrew's diatribe about Indiana Jones five. Hey, no spoilers. Be, no spoilers. Yeah, I'm gonna get into be, it. Yeah, it'll be a fear it'll not. Be, it'll be a fun one, and uh, this is this was gonna look like. So once yeah. a week you'll get us talking about movies. And so, uh, and maybe we'll have guests. We will have guests. We'll have guests. It'll be different if a great movie comes out. That'll be all we talk about on the podcast. Yep. Yep. If not, we'll talk about some styles, some directors, some genres. Yeah, you'll see. It'll be a mixed bag. We'll do a rewatch. Thanks for tuning we'll in. We'll do movies. some rewatches. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, it's yep. just, we're just gonna try to have as much fun with it as we can, and uh, hopefully, you have fun right along with us. Yeah. Be a less nuisance to our friends. Yeah, that's the real. That's reason. the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. We'll see how it goes. Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> see ya. See ya.